0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I just, again, want to inform everybody that I am the coolest dad ever. All right? Uh, I know that there may be some of you else who have shirts on. I know Eric's got a shirt about something about this awesome dad. Awesome is okay, cool is better. Just Well, and, and I did this last year, so I had to do it again this year. Sorry, boys, but your sister. Yeah, but is she here? <laughs> he comes all the way from California. You got a point. Whoops. <laughs> so as many of you know I, I, uh, I do uh, enjoy the game of golf and. Uh, So I have a couple of thoughts regarding golf and, you know, it's Father's Day, so I can tell some dad jokes. And so here's a couple of them. So a player asked his golf coach, what is going wrong with my game? And the coach replied, you're standing too close to the ball after you hit it. So what's the difference between a golfer and a fisherman? Because I've got to include you fishermen in here. When a golfer lies, he doesn't have to bring anything home to prove it. Uh, Golf balls are like eggs. They're white, sold by the dozen, and after a week you need to buy some more. That is probably a little truer in my game than some others. Um, one, One more. One more. Do you know how the moon got uh, all its craters? Three words. Chuck Norris Gulf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you don't know Chuck Norris, well then, you know, find out from somebody who can tell you. And all the Chuck Norris jokes out there in this world. Well, this summer, uh, we're... We're talking about Jesus stories, um, and we're kind of going through the book of Luke, kind of, we are, I mean, we are, not kind of, we're definitely going through the book of Luke. And uh, we are having everybody read two chapters each week, and we're reading them beforehand, so this week... We wanted you to read chapters three and four, and then today we're going to talk about three and four. So then next week, read chapters five and six, and the idea is to have you at home read through this thing, and what what can you learn about Jesus as we're looking at Jesus' stories, and then to talk about it in your house, whether it's you, know, you and your kids, or if you don't have kids at home, it's, it's you, know, you your husband and wife, or if you're single, find your roommate or a neighbor or, or somebody, go out for lunch with somebody and just dialogue about what can we learn about Jesus, because our whole desire is to be a disciple of Jesus, to be like Jesus to do what Jesus did. And and so if we want to do that, we should look at Jesus. And so uh, more of those reading plans are out on our next steps counter. Otherwise, you can go on our website or our church center app to uh, get, you can download it from there. So I, I do want to encourage you to read, to do the reading beforehand. Just not, not just just, just because it's an opportunity for us together as a body to go through Luke. And so as we start talking about, continue talking about Jesus' stories, uh, um, as we're looking at Luke 3 and 4, here's the, the thing that came into my mind. What's one of the main questions people ask today? It is, what's my purpose in life? Why, why am I here? Um, and so we're going to look at that today because in Luke 3 and 4, we're going to find out what Jesus' purpose is. Now, I, I grew up in a Christian home, went to church all the time. It seemed like every day of the week. I mean, that's what we did. Uh, every time the doors were open, we were there. And, and so uh, I learned about Jesus from the very beginning and uh, as I got into high school, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really think in high school a lot about what my purpose in life was or, you know, what's beyond uh, high school. I mean, I was just like in the moment and maybe it's because I was just kind of clueless and really didn't know anything more. But, you know, then there came the point, well, so what are you going to be when you grow up? I I really didn't know. And then as I thought about it, I began to think about what if I Uh, maybe I should be a teacher, because math was my thing, I was good at it, so maybe to be a teacher. Uh, And then, I think it was my uh, senior year, one of my teachers said, you know what, Brad, you should consider something else, because the teaching field is really packed, there's lots of people going in to be teachers, and you know, sure, okay, let's think about something else, and I don't know, I, I mean, as I think back on it more, I was like, maybe this teacher saw something in me and said, yeah, I don't think Brad will be a very good teacher, so how do I tell him? No. I, I mean, so I didn't I didn't do go into teaching. In fact, I went into college not really sure what I wanted to do. And in those first two years of college, God placed me in leadership positions in different youth ministries. Uh, then I went to school and got a youth ministry degree. I worked for youth for Christ. And then I was a youth pastor, planted a church. My purpose in life was doing ministry and everything I did was focused on that and then uh, we planted this church and you've heard versions of this story in the past where in St. Cloud the church plant fell apart, our world (laughs) fell apart and all of a sudden this thing about purpose and identity began to fall apart Because my identity and my purpose was in my titles or in my vocation. Now mind you, all of this is happening in my early 40s. So it's not like something I was going through an identity crisis in my 20s or even in my 30s. So uh, if you think, if you're in your 20s or 30s here and you think you have it all together or you don't think you have it all together, either way... Pay attention to God, because who knows what can come down your path. So when we left that church plant, uh, God did this crazy thing where He put me into another church an associate pastor role, and I wasn 't 100 percent healthy, but even in this not being 100 percent healthy, God began to do a work because all of a sudden, everything I had put my identity in had begun to disappear. So in this process, starting in my early 40s, I've been going, who who am I? Who has God created me to be? Thankfully, today, a whole bunch of years later, I I I kind of know what that's all about. It doesn't mean I function totally in the right way with that knowledge and that insight, but I have a pretty good idea. So when I face hard stuff that doesn't fit into my game plan or whatever, I'm okay. I mean, it's not that it isn't hard. I mean, it's hard and, and I have to face it, but my world doesn't fall apart anymore. And so, today we're going to, the title of the sermon today is Jesus in Purpose and in Power. And we're going to be talking about what Jesus' purpose in life was when he was here. The world around us is struggling with identity and purpose. And I think it's a huge priority for us who want to be disciples of Jesus, want to be followers of Jesus, that we have an idea of what our purpose is and what our identity is. Because when we go out into the world and the world's a mess, if we're walking in the confidence of the identity and purpose that Christ has given us, people are going to notice. Now, we, we talked last week, we began this series, we began talking about that Jesus was fully God and fully man, and so we kind of, you know, what was it like between 12 when he was in the temple and 30 when he started his ministry? This 18 years where it says he grew in wisdom and stature and favor... And today, as we dive more into Luke chapter 3 and chapter 4, the first thing I want us to take a look at is my identity. Luke tells us about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in the wilderness preaching. He's saying, you know, repent for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he, Jesus comes along, and we find this in Luke chapter 3, verses 30, uh, 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus' identity came from the Father, his Father, who is saying... You are my son. I love you, and I am pleased with you. Notice that this happened before Jesus started his ministry. It wasn't based on Jesus' favor. The Father's favor was not based on what Jesus did in ministry because he hadn't even started that. Now, we don't know what those 30 years totally... Jesus was perfect, we get that, but he was also growing. So we don't know what that was all about, but what we do know is that Before Jesus steps fully into his ministry, the father is saying, you are my son, and you are, and I am well pleased with you. Now, what what about you and me as followers of Jesus? What what does the Bible tell us about us? Well, we're going to start out by going all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis 1.27. Listen to this. So God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them You may have heard the term that we are image bearers um we I don't fully understand what that means to be an image bearer all I know is that God created you and me, and in the process of creating us, we bear his image. We are his image bearers. That's, that's our part of our identity. And he's remember back when we were talking way back in January about disordered desires and the deception of the devil. One of the things that the devil wants you to know is that you are not good enough to be an image bearer. You are not good enough for anything. In fact, Um, your identity is, you're bad. You're awful. How could anyone love you? How could even God love you? The devil wants you to think that your identity is in your career. Do you have the right job? Are you climbing the corporate ladder? Whatever the ladder is, are you successful in that career? Or, for you young, uh, younger people, you students, are you successful in school or in sports or in music? And if you're not, then... Mm, what about the money in your bank? Do you have X amount of dollars in your bank? Or the house? or Whatever. That's what the devil wants you to put your identity in. Just like... For me, my identity was in my titles. Campus life director, I worked with at-risk youth. Oh, how good of me. Youth pastor who actually liked middle schoolers. Oh, that's so good of me. That wasn't my identity, that was my vocation. What else does the Bible say? First Peter says this. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Do you see that? Do you hear that? You are chosen. You are special. You, again, are an image bearer. If you think I'm repeating that a lot, I'm, it, sometimes we need to hear it a whole bunch. You are an image bearer, you are chosen by God. your identity is in that, nothing else. John 15 you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to make go and bear fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name the Father will give you. Again, you are chosen. One of my favorite verses that I say often around here, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to walk in good works, to do good works, which Christ prepared in advance for us to do. Think of a painter or a sculptor and the time and the attention they put in to make their art what they want it to be. That's what God did when He created you. You are an image-bearer. Your identity is that you are the beloved of God. One of the main transformational pieces for me in that journey was having that hit my heart that I'm the beloved of God. It wasn't about my job or my title, it was what God said about me already, no matter what my life looked like. I'm his beloved. You are His beloved. That is your identity. The other thing we learn about Jesus in chapters three and four four is my purpose. In two places, uh, Jesus talks about His purpose. The first is after he comes out of the wilderness. Remember, he went into the wilderness for 40 days, and he comes out, and he, and he comes out of the wilderness, goes to the temple on the Sabbath, and reads from Isaiah 61, and here's what um, Jesus reads. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, so that the... Op- To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor you see that Jesus knew exactly what he was called to do his purpose to come and proclaim good news to the poor the question then is did Jesus fulfill his purpose um I would say kind of yes, right? In fact, as we read through the rest of of the Gospel of Luke, and what you will notice as you read, is you will notice Jesus being on track, moving towards and fulfilling his purpose. No matter what else happened, he moved to do his purpose. In the rest of chapter 4, we begin Jesus, seeing Jesus starting to do that. He drives out impure spirits. He heals Simon's mother-in-law. He heals a whole bunch of others. And he casts out a bunch of demons. And then by the time he gets to the end of chapter 4, he, it says this. Luke says this. But he said, I must proclaim the news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. There were some people wanting him to just stay there. But Jesus had a purpose, he had a plan, he had had a place to go, and it was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God to wherever he went. So the question is, if Jesus functioned as a purpose, what is your purpose? What is my purpose? Um, Colossians 3, 17 says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Notice notice that Paul says, whatever you do, do it for God's glory. That's that's part of our purpose. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your hobby is. None of that matters. What matters is, are you doing it for God? God's glory you can be a businessman or businesswoman and do it for the glory of God you, you can be a doctor you can be a, a construction worker you, whatever your title is for your job you can do that for the glory of God and that is what our purpose is do things for the glory of God Matthew 22 says this Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There's another purpose for us. It fits. Do everything for the glory of God. Love God and love others. It's that simple. In your place of employment, love God and love others. At school, love God, love others. And Of course, we know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age my purpose is to glorify God in all things and as I'm glorifying God in all things to love him and love others and go make disciples that's it that's our purpose your job is a job it's a vocation you you can have any job or no job and still fulfill the purpose that God has for our life. And this made a difference for me because part of coming out of this hard time and being in this church where I was going through a healing process and then even moving out of that, there's a one year I drove a UPS truck. a pastor but God gave me so many opportunities even in that to love other people it wasn't about my job then from there I'm part time at a church and managing a thrift store what? but I'm a pastor pastor? Mm. I had more opportunities to love on people, people on the margins in that thrift store, than I've had in a lot of other places. My purpose hadn't changed, just my title. And that's what I want us to see here. Jesus moves through his life with purpose. Purpose. You and I can move through our life with purpose no matter what happens to our job, no matter what happens in relationships with people, no matter what happens, we can continue to glorify God in all things by loving Him, loving others, and making disciples. So how do I fulfill my purpose? And this is an important question because we can't do this on our own. And there's something I want you to notice. When you're reading your Bible and you're reading like the Gospel of Luke, what are some words or phrases that maybe keep popping up? Because remember, Luke is very intentional. He's, he's writing a specific way and he has a purpose for what he is writing and how he is writing. So if there's something that repeats itself, oh, pay attention. What can we learn from this? So I'm going to read some verses in, in, verse, in chapter three and four. And I want you to notice what keeps coming up. Luke 3:22. This is after the baptism, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, "You are my son whom I love. with you, I am well." pleased. About one. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. What about verse 14? Jesus turned, returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. What about verse 18 in chapter 4? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Do you see it? Do you see that for Jesus, the way he fulfilled his purpose was by dependence on the Holy Spirit? Now, I know this is weird. How does this work? Again, fully God, fully man. We can't fully grasp that. But for some reason, Luke wants us to know that the Spirit came on him, the Spirit empowered him, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. It, I, it was the Spirit that, that, um, that is on him to proclaim the good news. It is the Holy Spirit that gives Jesus the ability in his incarnate form, being fully man and fully God, to do what God had called him to do. So what does that mean for me as a disciple? I can't fulfill my purpose, glorify God, love him, love others, make disciples on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to empower me. I need the Holy Spirit to guide me. I need the Holy Spirit to give me the words to proclaim. I need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the tense here is this ongoing filling. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, uh, 16 through 18. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul's telling us, be led by the Spirit, Be filled with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love, however. Keep on eagerly seeking the things of the Spirit, especially seek to be able to prophesy. Again, the point is, we need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit to do what God has called us to do. So, my identity is I'm an image bearer. I'm the beloved of God. My purpose is to bring glory to God in everything, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to to make disciples. And how I make that happen is by dependence on the Holy Spirit. So Terry and I have been praying for our neighbors where we live for ever since we moved in there, off and on, you know, that type of thing, and so um, I had a wedding this weekend that I did, it was one of Jordan's uh, best friends, and it's a family that we've known for a long time, so it was a fun wedding, Um, Tara and I didn't get home until 10, I suppose, something like that, and we're also taking care of my daughter's dog, so speaking to her about her not being here, we're also taking care of her dog, And so we got home, the dog's been a while, we had to take for a walk, so Terry and I went out in the neighborhood for a walk, and some of our neighbors were outside at 10 o'clock, and then all of a sudden it was like, hey, we're doing a bonfire, do you want to come over? And I'm like, oh. I've had these conversations with you about me being an introvert, and when I speak, it drains energy. So this wedding, I spoke, and I was, you know, the fishing at the wedding and then there's a whole bunch of people and everybody wants to talk so I was done I just wanted to go to bed and Terry and I were kind of like well we'll see and as we were walking back to our house I just I had to go over there I had to I just knew I had to do it And so, went in, changed my clothes because I you know, had suit on, didn't want to be by a fire in my suit. Grabbed a lawn chair, something to drink, went over and sat there. I didn't get home until midnight. It was one of the best nights I've had in a long time. These are people that don't know Jesus. We didn't, we didn't talk about anything spiritual. I just got to know them. And I got to know their hurts in two hours by a fireplace. You see, part of the thing, <laughs> the side note, when you're at a fireplace with people who don't know Jesus and they like to drink, they tell you a lot more than maybe they want to tell you initially. <laughs> right? But now, I, I, my, my purpose is, It's to go make disciples, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's to love God and love others. And so in that moment when I didn't want to be there, the Holy Spirit, literally, I mean, I, I was so energized by what the Holy Spirit was doing. And now I have some specific things to be praying for. I even heard about a need. And Terry and I were talking this morning, what can we do to help with this need? So, you are the beloved of God. Any other thing in your head is a lie from the evil one. You are the beloved of God. And you... Have a purpose that is way bigger than anything this world could ask of you to do. And that is to bring glory to God in everything you do. Loving God, loving others, and making disciples. And I ask Eric to come on up. And um, while we're doing worship, I, I just like we need to do this one song again the song make room for you and you see to walk fully in your identity and purpose it means to make room for Jesus in your life so as we sing this song together I'm going to ask that you make this a prayer